Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson, and joining us today is the president, CEO, and director of Eurasia Minerals, Mr. David Cole. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Thank you, Maurice. Happy to be here. You know, before we begin today's show, I would be remiss if I didn't give credit where credit is due. Rick Rule, the CEO and president of Sprott U.S. Holdings, has shared with me that owning prospect generators has been paramount to his financial success, and he highly endorses owning prospect generators. Therefore, Mr. Cole, we are delighted to have you on our show today to discuss some very important topics regarding the merits of prospect generation and to share with investors how your company, Eurasian Minerals, will serve as one of the strategic companies to have in the natural resource portfolio. Let's begin with some basics, shall we? Sure. Please share with listeners um, that may not be familiar with the concept. What is a prospect generator? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's a it's a fabulous business model. Um, uh, prospect generators acquire prospective mineral rights, add value by doing geology, um, and varying degrees of early stage work on the properties, and then seek to sell or joint venture the assets where the lion's share of the financial risk is put on the partner's shoulders to advance that, and the property is leveraged um, by the owner of the property, the prospect generator. Usually the prospect generator retains a carried interest in the asset or a royalty in the asset. So it's an organic growth of royalties and carried interests over time. And if you would also please share with listeners the distinction between a royalty and a stream, because sometimes they use the synonyms, but they're not. Yeah, that, that, that's correct. And, and uh, royalties are instruments that are attached to the property. So in the simplest case, a prospector were to, to stake a claim and then sell that claim to a mining company subject to a royalty, one, two, three or four percent typically. And um, that's a, a commonly a gross royalty. They're called net smelter returns, but that means the gross money that comes from the smelter. So that's the gross proceeds to the mining company. So typically the net smelter returns are a gross revenue uh, royalty that comes in and uh, it's attached to the property. A stream is different. A stream is a contractual obligation between a, a mining company that's producing the metal and a, a, a financial company that um, deals in, in trading metals. And uh, a classic example of a stream would be a company, let's say a copper mining company that produces byproduct silver, and the silver is less important to them in their overall scheme of their operations. And they form a contractual arrangement with a, a trading company whereby they'll sell their all their silver forward um, at a set price. So perhaps um, they'll say, we'll sell you all of our silver production from this mine for at $5 per ounce um, into the future. And in exchange for that, the trading company will give the mining company, say, uh, you know, $100 million that they can use in capital expenditure to advance their copper mine. So it gives the opportunity of the miner to capitalize on some of their byproduct production and give them uh, monies to invest in their property to enhance their operation. And then it gives a trading company a chance to buy silver at a set price uh, for a long period of time into the future off the operation. Well, thank you for sharing that, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, Eurasian Minerals uses a three-prong approach, which are prospect generating, royalty purchases, as you just discussed, and strategic investments. Can you share how this process increases shareholder value? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. I'm really proud of that three-pronged approach. It's quite synergistic. And and um, so the same group of individuals that are out doing the organic growth of prospect generation, acquiring mineral rights worldwide and adding value and selling those assets to major and well-funded junior companies are also looking for 
opportunities to buy royalties to augment the portfolio of royalties that are being grown organically. So we organically grow royalties through the prospect generation process by acquiring mineral rights, selling them subject to a royalty. And then to augment that portfolio, we also buy royalties. It's quite synergistic because it's using the same people. They just are, are being opportunistic and looking for um, um, specific uh, uh, you know, opportunities to buy royalties to add to the portfolio. And likewise with the strategic investments. If the same group of folks, um, um, astute geologists with uh, business acumen that are working globally, find opportunities to invest in a specific company um, that looks particularly compelling based upon geological expertise, then we'll take advantage of that as well. And we have five key value drivers in Eurasia Minerals um, within the portfolio of 1.6 million acres that we have worldwide. Two of them have come to us through the organic uh, prospect generation process. Two of them have come to us through royalty purchases and one through the strategic investment process. It's quite synergistic. It's a very good three-pronged approach. It uh, leverages our talent base to the betterment of the shareholders. I see that it's very effective. You mentioned uh, recently, or just a second ago, sir, that uh, you have 1.6 million, 1. million acres. Is that correct? That's right. That's correct. Yeah, worldwide. That's our total mineral property exposure. Right, because you have a, a global footprint with assets and royalties in over, what, 10 countries? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, would you share with the listeners, where is Eurasian Minerals domiciled? So we're British Columbia uh, company, and our primary listing, that's British Columbia, Canada, and our primary listing is on the Toronto Stock Exchange, and we have a secondary listing on the New York Stock Exchange. Okay. And from a macro perspective, where does Eurasian Minerals currently have open projects? So we're, we're, current, we, we're, we're quite active globally, but the areas where we focus at any given point in time can shift. Right now, during the, uh, this big pullback that we've had for a few years, we see particularly compelling opportunities in Northern Europe, in Sweden and Norway, where we've been active acquiring new licenses. In the Western United States, uh, specifically Arizona and Nevada, we've been quite active as well, and to a lesser degree in Australia. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, you, you mentioned organic growth. You know, Eurasian Minerals derives its organic growth from a number of successful royalties. How many royalties does Eurasian Minerals have under contract? So we've got a whole slew of royalties. Um, it must be around a dozen or so, but only one of which is a production royalty that's currently cash flowing. And that's the royalty on the Carlin trend that Newmont operates on the Leeville mine. Um, and that one of the catalysts for significant repricing of Eurasian Minerals will be when our other royalties start to cash flow. And that's we're on the cusp of that now with the Balia 4% lead zinc silver royalty in Turkey, um, just nearing production, commercial production. Okay. Well, sticking with the Leeville royalty, please share with listeners the exciting developments that you have with the uh, Leeville royalty in the Northern Carlin trend in Nevada. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty interesting property, actually, Maurice. The, uh, we're very fortunate that we own this asset. So 1% gross royalty covering um, um, a little bit less than three square miles of, of uh, operations, all controlled by Newmont uh, Mining Corporation in the heart of the Carlin trend in Nevada, which is one of the most prolific gold belts in North America. Newmont now has three shafts that uh, access our property. They just completed a new third shaft to enhance production. This is called the Turf 3 Ventilation Shaft. It um, cost Newmont $330 million to complete that shaft. And that speaks volumes to what Newmont believes is the potential on the property for them to spend that kind of money to develop a new state-of-the-art shaft to access the mineralized rocks at depth. There's also two declines that come down out of the open pit mineralization. And it's an interesting scenario where the 
The uh, gold mineralized rocks were mined from open pit uh, initially where they were near surface, and then they've chased that mineralization further at depth and developed the underground mines where we have the royalties. Newmont just recently announced substantial new discoveries in what's called the redecay corridor uh, that transects through our property. And we're delighted to see the exploration success, and we're delighted to see the infrastructure development with new shafts and, and uh, new work being done to develop the ore deposits underground. Well, that really is quite exciting. You've mentioned Newmont as one of your uh, JV partners. Are they the only JV partner that you have? No, we have, a, we have a whole slew of them, actually. Yeah, and one of the fascinating aspects of this business model is we get to work with mining companies all around the world, and we get to see their strengths and their weaknesses. We get exposed to their technical capabilities. Um, and, of course, the, you know, one of the primary objectives of the prospect generation business model is what we call OPM, other people's money, getting their money to advance our properties, um, either as a royalty holder or as a joint venture partner, where we benefit from the exploration success. We benefit from the infrastructure development that's being paid for by somebody else. But we also get OPE, other people's expertise, whether that's um, uh, social and environmental engineering expertise or whether that's geological expertise, engineering expertise. We get to see these companies and how they operate in advancing assets around the world, which is quite educational for us, of course, and and uh, you know benefits our shareholders. Yeah, it speaks volumes uh, for management when you're able to uh, build relationships with us, the joint ventures that you currently have. That's quite impressive, I must say. <laughs> yeah, we're on our fourth deal with um, – uh, with BHP, for example, they're the largest mining company in the world. Right now, we're working on our fourth deal with them. Um, we've done uh, you know, a couple of different deals with Newmont Mining Corporation. We've worked with Freeport a couple of different times. And the list just goes on and on. Um, um, uh, you know, Just a whole slew of major and junior mining companies where we have worked with during our 13 years executing this business model. Okay. Well, now we've covered Nevada. Let's, let's move uh, to Europe and let's talk about uh, Serbia. How about your yeah. property, uh, with uh, Reservoir Minerals? Yeah, so it's, it's quite interesting. In fact, Serbia was one of our early business units in the history of the company where we came into Serbia uh, and helped the Serbian government rewrite their concession legislation and their mining law after the atrocious uh, Balkan Wars. And the area had stabilized. And we came in, advised the government, helped rewrite those laws. Uh, we became one of the first uh, foreign companies to be granted metals exploration permits in Serbia. Um, after the, uh, um, you know, the tumultuous period of time there. And uh, we're delighted to see those advance. We ended up selling that whole business unit for a combination of cash shares and royalties, part and parcel to our business model, Maurice. And, and the company that we sold that to, Reservoir, has had spectacular success and had started to delineate some you know, just phenomenal copper gold discoveries at what's called Chukuru Peki on the Brestovac license um, in, in Serbia. And as luck would have it, one of the big discoveries that they've made there was just off of our royalty boundary. And uh, not to be deterred by that, you know, we're excited to see the results there. Not to be deterred by that, we actually went out and found a small royalty that covered the discovery and were able to purchase that and augment the portfolio that we had grown organically, which speaks volumes to that second prong of the business model that we discussed early in the interview. And so it's that integration of organic growth of royalties mm -hmm. with royalty purchases that is particularly powerful. And as that uh, discovery has been advanced, uh, we're delighted that it looks like it's going to be a company-making royalty um, with uh, a substantial high-grade copper-gold mineralization being delineated in addition to large volumes of what we call porphyry copper mineralization, which is the, 
broader lower grade zones, which, which can be exploited using large block cave mining techniques at depth. And uh, there's huge metal endowment there. And um, those are just the right kind of assets you want to have royalties on. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, full disclosure, I'm a shareholder of Eurasian Minerals as well as Reservoir Minerals. And uh, I was just curious to find out this week, uh, Nefson Reservoir announced to uh, a takeover bid for Reservoir Minerals for $365 million in Canadian dollars. What impact will this have on the royalty? Yeah, that, 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 it's significant for us and um, in a couple of different aspects. Um, but most importantly, it's significant in that you've got a well-funded company coming in that is that is, uh, you know, full of fire and really wants to see the project advanced, um, and will um, fast-track the asset towards production and give us our royalty income flow sooner. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're delighted to hear that as well. All right. Now yeah. let's move to Russia. You have some uh, exciting developments there as well. Let's talk about uh, Malmish. Yeah, and that speaks to the. Uh, third prong of the business model, which is which is strategic investing, and our geologists identified Malmish as a strategic investment opportunity years ago, as we saw some early holes delineate this porphyry-style copper mineralization that I mentioned previously, and uh, actually uh, Intergeo Copper, the company of which we are the largest shareholder now, as we purchase shares over time based upon our geological expertise, uh, has found 14 productive porphyries in a belt. At three, um, um, three of which they've advanced an, an initial compliant um, in-pit resource um, that has been announced. And, and that resource is huge. It's 1.66 billion tons at 0.42% uh, copper equivalent. And, and um, um, that's a fantastic starting point. It's nowhere near the end. It's going to be uh, larger over time as there's phenomenal exploration potential on the property. And and uh, we were able to buy those shares and help fund the development of that um, over the course of the last half a decade. And uh, uh, we were able to get in at quite reasonable prices. And this property is particularly exciting, not only from the huge resource potential, but also from the aspect that it has great infrastructure, which is very important in the mining business, of course, with a paved highway going through the property, a natural gas pipeline goes through the property, a bargeable river uh, called the Amur River with significant barge traffic um, transects adjacent to the property, high voltage power line, um, which is very important, and power plants, multiple power plants are, are close by. Power plant, power line actually goes through the property and the power plants are close by. There's also a rail line that is immediately adjacent to the property, so the infrastructure is phenomenal. And it's located in a part of the world in extreme southeastern Russia, um, near the Chinese border and on the Amur River. And there's a plethora of copper smelters in that part of the world. There's copper smelters in Korea, China, Japan uh, that are all hungry for copper concentrate. So it's in, a, it's in a part of the world where there's a large demand for copper concentrate, huge amount of copper being consumed in, in the east, of course. And so it's in an ideal location. Um, we think that uh, long term, this is this is a company making investment, and we're very very pleased to have that investment. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I've read somewhere that President Putin really wants to see this uh, project advance. Well, it, it, certainly everything that we have um, uh, seen from the Russian Federation has been favorable, and probably the best exemplification of that. There's probably two good exemplifiers of their interest to see the project advanced on a 100% foreign-owned basis. One is, is is that as an incentive to um, bring in direct foreign investment to advance this project and other mining projects in the far eastern portion of Russia, 
an area that needs economic development, is that they've reduced the uh, federal tax royalties to zero um, for new mining projects, which is a fabulous indicator of their desire to incentivize direct foreign investment. And the other significant indicator is the, um, uh, the fact that we publicly announced that we have a funding agreement with the Far Eastern Development Bank. And the Far Eastern Development Bank is a bank owned by the Federation of Russia, whose brief is to um, fund infrastructure and economic development projects in the Far East. So we're delighted to have them as a partner moving forward and delighted to have the backing of the Russian Federation. And um, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's interesting that our perception working inside of Russia, particularly in the far east of Russia, is quite different than the Westerners' typical opinion of, of Russia, given the events in the Ukraine, etc. We've actually found that, that to be a good venue to work in. I hear that quite frequently from those that have experience in that part of the world. Uh, so thank you for sharing that as well. Uh, sure. You mentioned Intergeo Copper. What is the relationship again? You're the largest shareholder. Yes. Yeah, so it's good that I explained those details. And thanks for bringing that up, Maurice. So Eurasian Minerals made a strategic investment into Intergeo Copper via a share purchase as we saw that Intergeo Copper was delineating some significant copper mineralization in their drill holes um, on the Malmesh project. And over time, we continued to uh, fund uh, the private company Intergeo Copper run by Tom Bowens, an astute CEO and geologist uh, with a broad experience in Russia and, and a really good nose for finding copper mineralization. And uh, we continued to fund and buy shares in that company and became the largest shareholder in uh, Intergeo Copper and representing the largest shareholder, which is Eurasian Minerals. I'm chairman of the board of that company now, as we're the largest shareholder. And and we're uh, you know our our thoughts and ideas on this project are completely aligned with Tom Bowens, the CEO, and, and we have a very good relationship with him. And the project's being advanced nicely. Yeah, I'm hearing just a, a methodical, strategic process throughout this entire interview with the entire business model of uh, Eurasian Minerals is is uh, quite compelling. So thank you again for sharing that. You know, we we we've been working at this for a few years. It's it's not our first uh, you know <laughs> it's, it's not our first rodeo. Yeah, but I appreciate that. You know, one key catalyst. There's a number of catalysts for a complete repricing of Eurasian Minerals. Um, the, the Balia lead zinc silver royalty coming on stream in, in Turkey is one. Advancement of the new shaft in Nevada on the, on, on the Leeville property is another. Um, but one of the key ones that, that we're looking for in the near future is the official government approval for the advancement of the Malmesh project on a 100% foreign-owned basis. And that's called Strategic Industry Law Review. The deposit that we've delineated in Russia is so large that it requires approval of the Kremlin for 100% foreign ownership. And when we actually get that approval, if we do, um, I, that'll be a catalyst uh, for repricing of Eurasian minerals, in my opinion. That is truly, truly exciting and, and best wishes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, with capital accruing from all your royalty agreements, uh, will Eurasian minerals deploy capital to some optionality opportunities? So what we do is we continue to invest the monies that we get in from our various deals that we have around the world into organic growth. We continue to um, acquire prospective mineral rights. As I said previously, right now we're focused in Northern Europe and then the Western United States. That's where we see the best bang for our bunk, uh, buck at this point in time. And uh, so all the monies that we have coming in um, and, and, and you know, we've been fairly aggressive at continuing to acquire mineral rights. And that's how we've built the uh, 1.6 million acres worldwide. Okay. 
Now, do any of the aforementioned properties have any reversionary interests? So, the uh, make sure I understand your question. Um, can you ask that again? I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand. Sure. Are there are they 100% owned? So we do. So um, we, if you look at all of our properties we have worldwide, you can divide that into a pie chart where those properties where we have a royalty interest, those properties which are partnered out and the JV partners earning their way into project equity. Um, and both of those would be about, you know, uh, 20 and 30 percent each. And then those properties which we own 100 percent, which represent properties that we've recently acquired um, or have been turned back to us from other partnerships where we're doing work on those and marketing them and they're available to the industry. And right now, the proportion of the pie of available properties that we have within our portfolio is about 45%. Our target is for that to, to be around a third. So we're a little bit high right now. And the reason why we have um, a little bit higher percentage of available properties that we own 100% in the portfolio is because of the significant downturn. And we've been taking advantage of the downturn and acquiring inexpensive mineral rights around the world. All right. Switching gears. Let's discuss the company, Eurasia Minerals. Uh, Mr. Cole, can you share with investors regarding your qualifications as the president, CEO, and director that will give them confidence in your ability to increase shareholder value? Yeah, my background, uh, thanks very much, Maurice. My background is uh, economic geology. Uh, I've got a, uh, a bachelor's degree in geology and a master's degree in economic geology um, and a long history at uh, working in this industry. I, I worked for Newmont Mining Corporation for 18 years, where my passion was always the value creation at the pointy end of the stick. Um, I commonly worked in, in the jungles of Indonesia or the, the high Andes of, uh, of Peru or the deserts of Nevada out doing exploration for Newmont and just uh, had a great opportunity to work with some really intelligent people there and, and learn a lot about the industry and how it works. And and when I left Newmont to found Eurasian Minerals and, and build upon that, I was also able to utilize my connections through the industry to, to hire just some phenomenal folks to come on with me and pursue this vision of value creation um, at the pointy end of the stick, if you will. Okay. Now, uh, what would you say has been your biggest success at Eurasian Minerals? You know, I think the biggest success is the fine-tuning of the business model and understanding how to create shareholder value over time by executing that model. And certainly we're very delighted to have the 1% royalty in the northern portion of the Carlin trend and some of the key assets in the portfolio. And uh, many of which are on the cusp of really breaking loose and adding significant value, such as the royalty in uh, Turkey, um, such as the royalty in Serbia, such as the investment in Intergeo Copper. So we're at, a, we're at a pivotal time here where uh, a decade worth of hard work is, is, is starting to come to fruition and pay off in a big way. And I'm very excited about the near term. Okay, fair enough. And what would you say has been your biggest shortfall? The biggest shortfall is continuing to try and learn how to manage these deep cycles that we have in this business. And that's a challenge for the entire sector. And it's... it's um, um, it's always a learning experience to figure out how to manage when you're at the top of a bull market or the bottom of a bear market. And the market cycles in the industry have become more exacerbated over time. And it's difficult for everybody in the industry and certainly difficult on the investor to have to live through those cycles. And managing those cycles is always a challenge. But we have a saying, and that is that you want to 
learn to manage these cycles so that you take advantage of them rather than be used by them. <laughs> yes, that's quite a quite an accurate statement. Uh, what can you share with us about management and the director's ability to increase shareholder value? Well, we just have a great team, and I could go down through through the team and their passion for value creation. Let's start with with the technical guys, a bunch of PhDs from the University of Arizona uh, with a long history in, in the industry. And their passion is understanding rocks and reading rocks and learning how to create value out of rocks. And, and we leverage that talent into a portfolio. And we leverage that portfolio into deals with major companies to advance those projects. And so, you know, they're the most important people in the company. Um, the... Uh, um, in addition to that, we have folks like uh, uh, Jan Steyert, who's our chief legal officer. Um, she's a, a senior woman that's worked in the industry for a long time. She's the immediate past president of the Rocky Mountain Mineral Law Foundation. And we're pleased to have her on as our chief, chief legal officer, which puts us in a position where we have in-house quality attorney to help us write our deals to make sure that they're written well um, and uh, um, to protect our mineral rights, which is very important, of course. Um, and uh, quality financial people as well and in and, and, and a whole team that uh, works together and uh, doing what's right for our shareholders. Well, speaking of uh, your financial <clears throat> representatives, I had an opportunity two weeks ago to attend the Oxford Club Investment U Conference. And unfortunately, yeah. you weren't there, but uh, you had Scott Close there who heads your investor relations department. He is an astute intellectual. I really had a great time with him. Uh, he shared a wealth of information, but the one thing I got from him was passion. He had a lot of passion and a lot of excitement about Eurasian minerals, and uh, it, it just bodes well for the company when you have someone represent your company in your in your absence. Uh, just just a phenomenal personality as well. I really enjoyed uh, having an opportunity to meet him. So, uh, well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of passion around the office. <laughs> we believe in what we're doing, that's for sure. Well, as well as last year, if I may digress, we had an opportunity to uh, um, I met your staff at the Sprott Stansbury Conference, and kudos to them. Exactly what you're saying right now, that's exactly what they exemplified there as well. I'm happy to hear that, Maurice. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, talk about institutional investors. Who are they? So Paul Stevens is one of our largest investors right now, and Paul Stevens um, – uh, it was the founder of Robertson Stevens Funds. He's long history in the mutual fund industry. He owns our stock personally as well as in his mutual funds. And he's a passionate believer in this business and the value creation of this business and taking advantage of the downturn that we've had for four and a half years. Uh, he just bought our stock, just kept buying it. And Paul is now over 18% of the stock, uh, which makes him an insider. And he's now on our advisory board. If you combine his stock with the stock owned by directors, management employees uh, puts us over 30 percent insider ownership now which is astounding and a lot of that has come from open market purchases there's been a substantial amount of open market purchases by insiders over the course of the last two years most um, um, most intensely in the last quarter of the last year and that speaks volumes because that's letting us know that with prices depressed that there's confidence in the company yeah, we bought the heck out of the stock. <laughs> we did. I'm sure you, you could check the insider reports. You know, when it was depressed like that, we're you know we were just buying it in 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 uh, large blocks. Mm -hmm. And if I may, uh, he has a view of Eurasian Minerals being the next Franco Nevada. Am I not mistaken? Or am I mistaken? He's a, well, he understands that the path that we're on is similar to the path that Franco was on many years ago, and. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's a it's a broad stretch to say that we're the next Franco Nevada because they're you know they're a huge company and we're a very 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 small company. But I think the key point that he's trying to make there is that we're leveraging our land ownership, our mineral right ownership, into growing a, a royalty portfolio in a manner that is modeled somewhat after the Franco experience, which has been phenomenal for investors. Yes, it has. Uh, what are the company's goals? So our goals are to create shareholder value through the execution of this fine-tuned business model and to just build a portfolio. You can't own enough mineral rights. You can't have enough royalties and, and to continue down this path. It's, it's very straightforward and, and, and very transparent what our goals are. I, I love simplicity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, David, what can go wrong and how will investors know what is going wrong and what will you do if it goes wrong? So, you know, this comes back to the question about the deep cyclicity of the industry. And, um, um, you know, our partners can go broke. We've seen that happen um, many times, uh, just, so, just so you know. I mean, we have prop properties that are quite good assets that will be advanced partially by a company. And for whatever reason, they go broke or they have problems or, or they have a different opinion about the property. They return it to us. And quite often, we're able to uh, market that asset again and sell it again. Um, our Sisorta property, we've sold three or four times now, just as one example. Um, and each time, it, it, it gets advanced further. Uh, our key project in Turkey, Akarja, has had $13 million of other people's money spent on it. And right now, we own it 100%. And we're in the process, process of accepting new bids on the property. And I believe that the third time when we sell it, um, it's going to be the best price we've ever gotten for it. So, so we just have to manage through that. But, but partners can go broke. Partners can change their exploration ideas. Um, but thanks to the portfolio effect, because it's not we're not a one property company, uh, we can manage our way through that. Um, the uh, you know the significant cycle effect that we have um, from exploration budgets expanding, going through a boom, exploration budgets contracting, going through a bust. The effect on share prices, the effect on our, on our investors, um, both on the boom side and the bust side, needs to be managed. And you know, there's a lot of tumultuous um, political and economic activity going on in the world, and and you know that has impacts to us. We're not immune to that at all. Certainly, we have a portfolio, and that gives us the portfolio effect, and and helps mute that to some degree. Um, and the fact that the large lion's share of the money is being spent on our properties are coming from our partners' pockets, that mutes that effect as well, but still does have a significant impact. And a good exemplifier of that is, you know, having watched the share price erode along with all of our competitors um, over the course of the last four years prior to the last three months where we've seen a good recovery. But um, hopefully this recovery stays in place and keeps going. It feels like it should. Um, but managing through all of those things and, 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 and having all the outside forces, what we call the beta impacts, you know, the outside forces and, and how they affect uh, the company. But that's my job to manage. That's what we do. That's why we're here. Well, thank you for the transparency. Uh, Mr. Cole, let's discuss some numbers. What is the current liquidation value of your company versus the market cap? So the market cap would be um, uh, right around $60 million right now. And the uh, you know in in a fair market liquidation case, uh, there's an argument to be made that um, uh, the list of the assets we have within that 1.6 million acres uh, would tally up to substantially more than that. But it depends once again as to where you are in the cycle. 
Because if you were to quote auction off, let's say we're to auction off the Serbian royalty, you know, if you're due that in this in this down market, even though we have recovered a little bit, if you're due that in a down market, you wouldn't get a fair value for it. Right. But if you were to say, look, if, if we're in what a quote unquote normal market, if there ever is such a thing, um, then what would you be able to get for these assets? And, and, and you know, I think the answer is a multiple of our current market cap, in my opinion. Uh, our share ownership in the Malmish project alone is worth a couple times our current market pa- uh, cap, in my opinion. And I've been quoted as saying that previously. Uh, the royalty on the Carlin trend would be equal to our current market cap or slightly more, in in my opinion. And I could go on down the list. And and this is uh, you know this is how I've explained it to stock analysts a number of times and said this is why I think that Eurasia Minerals is a um, a multi bagger in the making at this point in time. Sticking with numbers, how much cash do you have and how much do you need? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we have not done a financing to help build this business since 2011. And we financed during the good times. I'm proud of the fact to say that we've never done a down market financing. That doesn't mean that someday we might have to. But thus far, we've never had to do a down market financing. All the monies that we've raised through financings have been invested into building this large portfolio worldwide. We're on the cusp of the portfolio starting to cash flow as these new royalties come on stream. So we're very close to being in a situation where we don't need to finance anymore. But our cash position is getting you know, a little bit low. We're down to about $4 million. But with the augmentation of royalty income coming from the new shaft on the Leeville property and with the Balia property starting production in Turkey, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in a good enough position to be able to uh, continue forward with prudent acquisition around the world and building the portfolio. Yeah, that will serve. That is that is something that we definitely keep a very close eye on and manage quite closely. Okay. What is the uh, current burn rate? So that puts us in a situation with the incoming royalty um, uh, flows where I expect to uh, spend about $4 million this year. Um, and uh, But looking out into 17, we hope to have that burn rate close to zero, if not be cash flow positive, with the new royalty income flow that we anticipate. Okay. Now, uh, once you obtain the cash that you need, what type of reward should investors expect and within what time frame? So hugely market dependent, of course. Um, you know, if we see a recovery in metal prices and these stocks become hot again, then um, who knows where we could end up. Um, it's always problematic to ask a CEO where you think the stock price is going. But, you know, what I see is that, you know, we manage the business for the betterment of the shareholders, and I see multiple catalysts for a repricing of the, of the enterprise, um, including the Malmish discovery and the approval of the Russian government for 100% foreign ownership and the advancement of that. Our business model there is to crystallize that investment by selling the project to a major mining company, probably a Chinese or, or, or a Eastern mining company. They'd be the most logical buyer. That can be a huge crystallization event and um, it can be a catalyst for complete repricing the stock. When you combine that with the Serbian royalty and the discovery ongoing there, that's a catalyst for repricing the stock. The projects that we have in Turkey and their advancement and the volume mine there coming into production, that's a catalyst for repricing. Um, the uh, augmentation of royalty income flow from the new shaft on the Carlin trend is another catalyst. So there's a whole bunch of catalysts all coming together at the same time. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think the upside here is, is quite large in my opinion, and that's why I bought a lot of stock in the last quarter of 2016. Well, speaking of the stock, uh, what, the last six months is what, doubled? 
In the last three months, we're up about a hundred and some odd percent. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's during a, a bear cycle in a secular bull market. Kudos. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's discuss some more numbers, if we may. How about the debt? How much debt do we have? Oh, we have no debt. No. Now that's amazing. Yeah. That, no that, debt at all. That, yeah. that truly is amazing. It's just, again, specifically speaking, we're in a bear cycle and to have zero debt. How about the enterprise value? Well, because we have um, uh, no debt uh, and we have about $4 million in cash, so the enterprise value would be the market cap minus four. So I'd have to check the numbers where the stock's trading right now, but say 65 minus four would be $61 million enterprise value. Impressive. Quite impressive. Uh, outstanding shares. So the uh, the fully diluted uh, number has actually decreased because a large number of warrants and some options have expired. And so there's no warrants on the stock now, so there's no overhang from warrants at all. Those warrants were initially um, um, issued uh, part and parcel to financings that we did de- during the last bull market. As I said, we've not done financing since 2011. So all those warrants have expired. And so the fully diluted number is around 79 million. I believe that the uh, issued and outstanding numbers around 76 or 77 million shares. Okay. Now, Mr. Cole, we've covered a lot of information today. Is there anything else that you want to share with a prospective investor or current investor? Understand when you invest in this sector that it's a cyclical business and one should invest with that understanding. And the uh, it's always the right thing to do to invest when other people are selling and to sell a few shares when everyone else is buying. And the most important thing is to invest with the right management team that have the best business model. Well, we here at Proven and Probable, we highly endorse uh, Eurasian Minerals. We are shareholders. And Mr. Cole, for investors that wish to learn uh, more about Eurasian Minerals, can you please share with us the best way for investors to get more information? You know, you can you can call myself or Scott Close, and, and our number is uh, 303-973-8585. And ask for Scott Close or Dave Cole. And then, of course, you can go to our website at www.eurasianminerals.com. You can download the investor presentation. You can also put in a request for the asset handbook. We have an asset handbook that goes through the details of uh, all the projects. We have uh, 80 some projects we have worldwide, 1.6 million acres in the asset handbook. And we'll send that out upon request. Mr. Cole, it's been an honor. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Great questions, Maurice. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.